Well, I just want to go straight into it this morning. And uh, just as we are all experiencing the shift in the natural, the shift in changing to different levels and lockdown being easier for some, I sense more than that, that there's a shift in the spirit realm. And if you are a believer, a believer in Christ, you will be feeling that with me this morning. You'll be sensing there is a shift in the spirit realm. And in meditating on the Lord with this in mind, um, just in some times with the Lord this week, I was drawn to Deuteronomy. So we're going to start reading um, Deuteronomy chapter 11 from verse 8. I just want to touch on a few things this morning. There's quite a few different things on my heart, so I just trust the Holy Spirit will lead us in the right way, the right path this morning. I just felt this was a, a beautiful promise and a reminder of the promise and the oath of God over us as the people of God. Whether you're in 24-7 church, whether you are in other local churches, the bride of Christ has a promise and an oath that God um, keeps. He keeps his promises. He keeps his oath to us. And we are in that transition, I believe, into the last phase. And even if I'm wrong, it doesn't matter because we're living as if it was the, the last days. And um, so I believe this is a, a promise that we can take and apply it to ourselves today. So from verse 8. So the context of Deuteronomy here is Moses and, and uh, the people of Israel taking them from Egypt into the promised land. And there were a bunch of laws that God had shown Moses to tell the people, laws to keep so that they would stay on the path and reach the promised land. And so from verse 8, it says, You shall therefore keep the whole commandment that I command you today, that you may be strong. Say to yourselves that I may be strong. And go in and take possession and go in and take possession of the land that you are going over to possess, and that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to them and to their offspring, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land that you are entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it, like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you are going over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. He will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock, and you shall eat and be full. Verse 16. Take care, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. 
Verse 18 says, You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. As I was reading this, I saw my right hand, our right hands, being bound by this beautiful tight cloth. Um, and it says, a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. What does that mean? Whatever your hand does, let it be with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Whatever your eyes see, the frontlets of your eyes, let it be with his vision by loving him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And then it goes on to say, and teach them to your children, etc., etc. But I want to just um, unpack a little bit. Verse 10, for the land that you're entering to take possession of, it is not like the land of Egypt. The territory or the land of our hearts that we are moving toward is not like it was before. As a church, we have beautiful land that we are possessing in the natural realm. But I want you to take where you, ever, where you see and you read land or territory, I want, to put, I want to ask you to put your heart in that place. So the territory or the land of our hearts that we are moving toward is not like it was before. We've come out of Egypt. The old methods of Egypt cannot tend this land going forward. And so when you read there about the land there um, saying you can't sow, like when you sowed your seed and irrigated like a garden of vegetables, in those days it was very much um, a very dry land like Egypt is today. And man was so involved in watering his crops. He was so involved by hard work and lots of strain. There wasn't natural streams and dams and lakes to irrigate it. They had to really work hard to produce crops and to irrigate their land. And he's saying, no longer like that way before. No longer the, the methods of old. I'm going to take care of your land. I'm going to water it. So it's so beautiful that this land that we are to go in and possess, okay, are the land of our hearts, and the land that the Lord has for us is cared for by the Lord. What a relief. Whew, let's just let out the size of the past, <laughs> the size of old methods, and embrace the care of the Lord. It says, His eyes are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end. He has covered it all, even our months of the year. Every month of the year is cared for by the Lord. And when it says there, his eyes are always upon it, I'm reminded of Revelations 1.14. We, we actually sang it a little bit earlier. His eyes are like flames of fire. The eyes of the Lord are like flames of fire. Can you imagine that? Imagine that. Make it real. Make it personal. That the eyes, the flaming, fiery eyes of God are towards you and always upon you. Isn't that amazing? So in this context, Israel obeyed God's law, written on tablets of stone, as we know. That was the Ten Commandments. And we, the church, who are a type of Israel, we now love to obey God because of Jesus and because his laws are now written on our hearts. 
So in this new land where God, um, where God was going to take care of them, what was Israel asked to do here? In this new land that they were going to possess, what was Israel asked to do? God was going to take care of it, water it. What was Israel asked to do? Israel was to love the Lord their God with all their heart, all their soul, and with all their mind. Verse 16 says they were to take care that their hearts would not be deceived and that they wouldn't turn aside and serve and worship other gods. That was their part in partnering with God. I don't believe it's changed. Because of Jesus, he's, he's made open the way for us, and we have access to the Father at any time as believers. But there is a caution to always watch over our hearts that we won't become deceived. Let's look at what that means. You might be thinking, wow, well, I'm not serving and worshipping other gods, Jane. Good grief, that's a bit hectic. I love Jesus. <laughs> I just want to say that elevating anything or anyone greater than its value is idolatry. And I just want to say up front here that anything that I say that could be um, sort of hinting towards adjusting and making some adjustments in our hearts is not condemnation. It's to bring freedom and life. Okay, it's to bring freedom in life so that we can go in and possess the land that God has for us. So any other affection or fantasy even that is given prominence above truth, capital T, is idolatry. God's been showing things in my heart because that's where it's hidden. You, you may not be outwardly serving other gods and going about like that, but it's, it's deeper than our hearts that God is looking for, the, the hidden things. So I think the, the law that was written here, but on our hearts now, is still the same. Take care that our hearts don't become deceived. In Exodus 34 verse 14, it says, You shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. We don't often talk about his name as being Jealous, capital J. We know all the other names of God, but in Exodus 34, whose name is Jealous, he is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 4 verse 24 says, For God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Just think about that. When last did you see God as being jealous for you? I've been a little bit undone with that the last few days. You see, God's jealousy is different to man's understanding of this word. There is no selfishness in God's jealousy. There's no selfishness in God's jealousy. There's nothing of man in it. It is holy, exclusive devotion to his bride and his people. That's our jealous God. Holy, exclusive devotion to his bride and his people. The root meaning of that word jealous is intensely red. 
intensely red, the color red. Jealous and zealous mean the same to God. And God is zealous. He's eager about protecting what is precious to him. Don't forget that, guys. It's not something we think about it um, a lot of the time. He is eager about protecting what is precious to him. So Israel was God's treasured possession, just as we are now. We are his treasured possession, and he is jealous for us. So how do we take care of the land of our hearts as we move forward? We love him with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all our mind. I want you to take five seconds just to think about that. Are we loving him with all of our hearts? Are we loving him with all of our soul and our mind? And are we loving him with our bodies, with everything, spirit, soul, and body? That's Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Another scripture, Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, Never let the fire in your heart go out. Oh, I love that. Never let the fire in your heart go out. When I read that, I don't automatically think or picture myself putting logs on the fire. I've got to cut down trees to put some wood on the fire, and it's me doing it all the time. I don't, we don't have to. Jesus is our enabler. Holy Spirit fans the flame. So never let the fire, the fire of his presence, go out in our hearts. Amazing. Back to our hearts. Not in a meeting, not in a church building or a temple or a tabernacle, in our hearts where he's made his home. The Passion Translation says it like this, keep your passion toward him boiling hot. Boiling hot. How do I do that? By remaining in the fire of all-consuming fire, by remaining in him, by abiding in him. And to do this, we take care of the state of our hearts. Nothing else but remaining, abiding. Okay? So there, I, I had so much fun looking through many, actually, many different scriptures. And I'm not going to quote them all, but I'll just read through basically um, what they're saying. Because I felt the last week or two just caught up in the fire of the Lord. And to just go after that and to see what that really means. And it is amazing that we, we speak about fire, the fire of the Lord coming upon us, maybe for a specific task or a specific meeting. But the fire of God is there for everyday life. The fire of the Lord is the presence of the Lord. But I really just want to say, I think few walk in that. And my encouragement today, let's make the adjustment in our hearts so that we can all walk in this. So there's scriptures all over the place in New Testament and the Old Testament, which say things like that, that the day of the Lord will reveal with fire and will test the quality of each person's work. Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire. Mount Sinai was covered in smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The glory of the Lord was a consuming fire. Jesus would baptize us with Holy Spirit and with fire. They heard his voice 
from the fire. In Revelations, his eyes are like blazing fire. In Acts 2, tongues of fire rested on the people that were in the upper room. And in Exodus 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in the flames of fire from a bush. There's fire, fire, fire. Fire, fire, fire. There's, there's a song for everything, I'm telling you. <laughs> so fire represents God's radiant glory. The fire represents God's radiant glory, describing an attribute that we don't talk about much, but it's his holiness. We speak about the joy, we speak about the love, we speak about the power, but it's his holiness. And I believe what's happening now is that all the individual paths of our lives that we're walking and journeying on, God is wanting to break open a highway for his people, for the bride, that it's a default. We are living in the highway of holiness. It's our go-to. It's, it's not something we have to look from afar and discern whether we should go there or not. It's, we are so certain and so secure in the highway of holiness and that we know as a people our brains have been washed by the fire of God that we just go there. It's a safe place, the highway of God. Um, so keeping the fire in our hearts alive is living and staying and moving in his presence and we as a church are moving in this direction we feel like such a drawing um, the atmosphere of God is like drawing the fire upwards so I felt that in worship as we were singing there was like this you know how when you make a fire and it goes up the shaft up the chimney and if there's air at the top it draws the smoke up I just feel that's what God is doing he's drawing us as his people into this deeper realm of the fire his all-consuming fire for everyday life so I had fun and I really love this in Revelations 3 um John talks about the letter to the church in Laodicea. And uh, just lately, I've been doing a little bit of a study of all the letters to the churches in Revelations. And um, <clears throat> Laodicea actually means human rights or self-righteousness. And uh, I thought that was quite applicable because I think that's maybe where we are at right now in a society of human rights and self-righteousness. And um, you can read it yourselves, but in, in uh, verse 18, he says, Purchase gold perfected in fire. Purchase gold perfected in fire. And the gold there means Christ Jesus. Jesus is our gold. And it's perfected in fire. And so that me simply means, he's saying to the church in Laodicea, Have faith in Christ. In the midst of a, a society of self-righteousness and human rights, have faith in Christ. Purchase gold. Perfected in the fire. He goes on to say, purchase eye solve, ointment, and anoint your eyes so you can truly see. What is deception? Deception is a veil over your vision. 
It stops you from seeing. And if your eyes are deceived, your heart is deceived because your eyes are the windows of your heart. So there was the church in Laodicea, self-righteous society, and they were the church there was stuck in deception. And he goes on to say, talks about lukewarmness. You were neither hot and you were neither cold. You were lukewarm. And there's a bit of a historical thing. We won't go into that there. Why they were lukewarm? Even in the natural, Laodicea was a place of lukewarm water. They didn't have hot springs. They didn't have cold springs. They were in the middle geographically, and their waters were lukewarm and bitter to drink. And so people would want to vomit and spew it out of their mouth. Anyway, just for the history, guys. So I want to just move on to someone who I was just reading about in Two Kings. And because it's about the heart this morning, I think anything I speak is always going to be about the heart, guys. So you can just go with me on this. But in 2 Kings 18, verse 3 to 4, we read about King Hezekiah. What a great king. What a great man he was. I'm going to read there. Let's go there. 2 Kings Two Kings 18. Let me just read from verse 2. Well, just before the verse 1, he was um, king of Judah. Okay. He was 25 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abby, the daughter of Zechariah. Verse 3. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days the people of Israel had made offerings to it. It was called Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him wherever he went out. He prospered. The Lord was with him, and wherever he went out, he prospered. This is King Hezekiah. What made him different was that he took down every high place. He destroyed every idol and every false god. He was born into a nation that was steeped in demonic worship. But he came out a reformer because he loved God only. He loved God only. He was a great reformer. And the word says there was no king like him in Judah before and after. Because he loved God only. Even born into a family who was steeped in um, demonic worship, born into a, a region steeped in demonic worship, and you think, oh my gosh, he's got no chance. We always have a chance. And he loved God only, even in the midst of that. So Israel at the time, the people of God, 
had been worshipping God by going to the same high places where every other idol was being worshipped. So their heart was right, walking up to the same high place where other gods were being worshipped, and they were worshipping God. But they were worshipping in the same area as, as the others. And then this bronze serpent, which Hezekiah broke into pieces, if you recall what happened with God and Moses, he, he asked him to, to make this bronze serpent to help those if they looked at it, they would not be bitten by the snakes and the plague that was going on. So it was a good thing back in the day. But what happened was that the people elevated the bronze serpent and began to worship it. Okay? So it started out being a good thing, but they elevated a good thing and began to worship it and not God alone. So anytime we want to worship God our way and not His way, we're not worshipping God. We're worshipping our own will. Okay? Can I say that again? Anytime we want to worship God our way, our little comfortable, familiar way, and not His way, which is in spirit and in truth and only His way, we're not worshipping God. We're worshipping our own will. To just make that practical, sometimes we hold on to things, we hold on to people, we even hold on to fantasies which become the object of our worship and affection. And that is deception and it's not holy. It's deception and it's not holy. So please don't feel condemnation here, remember? These are the adjustments we make in our hearts that we can love him only with all our heart and mind and everything else. So, <laughs> true worshippers recognize these things and do not tolerate it. See, that's the heart of a worshipper. It's the heart of David. We recognize these things because if we're in his presence, we're only knowing his presence. Anything foreign or unfamiliar to that, we're going to recognize it quickly. But what happens there? We recognize it, but we tolerate it. And this is the shift I feel happening in the bride of Christ and as worshipers going forward into the land that he's got for us, the territory of our hearts for the future, is that we cannot tolerate it anymore. Anything that masquerades as worship. Man, in a modern culture, just think, begin to think what that could look like in your life. God wants to shake that up. True worshippers carry his presence, but know not to manhandle it. Okay, remember when they were taking the ark? God said, put it on the shoulders of the Levites so that they could carry it there. And then the ark was falling, and what's the guy's name? Uzzah came out and he put his hand to stop it from falling, doing a good, nice, decent thing to do. But the Lord said, don't do that. And he went to do that, and he died. Okay? So, in a modern world, as we carry his presence, 
we've got to know not to manhandle it. Don't put our slant on our worship to God. Sometimes we're so full of interpretation and what we think it means. But don't try and ever interpret what it means without being in the fire of all-consuming God. Because this is what will purify us. Jesus has purified us. But as we read the word, as we look into the face of word, we are purified every day. So what happens is, as we're going along carrying the presence of God, as I said earlier, there's this beautiful exchange in the spirit realm. We now enter the glory of God, and it's now the glory of God that covers us, that we are undone. We sang the song in worship that we don't want to live in the memory of what you said. And if I have you figured, then won't you undo me? We only have him figured if we live by our own interpretation of this word. But if we worship him in spirit and in truth, we are undone every time we come face to face with him. So I believe the shift that we're going into in the presence of God is this place where the highway of holiness, we're going to experience the glory of God guarding us, the glory of God covering us. We're not having to work and go to this place. It's going to be all over us. So let's look a little bit about the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it flows the wellspring of life. Genuine worship and faith come from your heart. Not your body, not your mind, from your heart. And we don't strive to worship or strive to have faith. Worship and faith are products of surrender. Worship and faith are products of surrender, a surrendered heart. And so we surrender our hearts to the all-consuming, jealous fire of God. That is our part. We take care of our hearts and we surrender it. That's abiding, abiding in the vine, it's surrendering your hearts. Not once, but all the time. Um, Alan Scott said this, sacred fire has restored and reordered our motivations. I read that on Instagram. I thought I'll take that because it fits in really well with what I'm feeling. Sacred fire, the all-consuming fire of our holy God has restored and reordered the motivations of our heart. That's the posture of our heart for this next season. I believe this season is going to take us right into eternity. And I want my heart to be ready so that there's no adjustment to be made on the day. But we just walk and just face to face with our Jesus. I feel the presence of holiness is here to make our path a highway. And as a family of 
church, we don't embrace the future with old methods. We don't em embrace this new season with a tired heart. Just get in the all-consuming fire of God. We don't embrace it with a tired heart. And we're not going to tolerate familiar idols anymore. We're going to make the adjustments, every single one of us. And we're going to hold each other accountable to it. Because when we lean into God, we lean into each other. When we receive from God, we receive from each other. We need each other. We cannot isolate ourselves and go on this little individual path. It's now become a highway. It's what's happened in the shift. It is that now. It's a corporate thing. And the bride must walk together into that. So we surrender more. And we stay positioned under the gaze of heaven's fire. As I read a few things now, if you're in the room, you can stand. And if you are at home, I'd love you to stand as an, as a, an activation of a, of a heart that's willing to surrender more. Stay positioned under the gaze of heaven's fire. Don't let those words just go in one ear and out the other. Just If you want to lift your hands, let's just be positioned under the gaze of heaven's fire and remove every other high thing we have exalted. Only you know that and what that looks like. Because it's the hidden things in the heart that God wants to adjust. He wants our worship to be in truth as well as in spirit. So he's revealing, the fire of God reveals. It reveals to heal, not to expose and to cause harm and pain. I also believe that the times that we're living in now, we don't want to keep gazing inwardly and trying to fix. And Although we take care of our hearts, it's not a time for our minds to get inward focused, but we're going upward. Let our focus be upward. So everything, every high thing that we've exalted in our hearts, God, we come and we ask the fire of your presence to burn it away so that we only see you, the only God, but that we only serve you, that we only live for you. We remove every veil of deception from our eyes so we can live free and worship freely. Just like in the days of old, Lord, bind it on our hands as a sign. Touch the frontlets of our eyes that we would see clearly with clarity and with your vision. Remove the veil of any kind of deception from our eyes in Jesus' name. Even in this middle of um, in the middle of COVID. We can't go back to the old method, the old way. Our methods are new. But our value is still the presence of God and the fire of God. We're safe in the jealous fire of God. So 
So to go forward and to embrace the shift in the spirit realm, let's expand the, the land of our hearts for more of his presence. Get flexible. Loosen the rigid, tight ropes that keep your dwelling place taut and tight in place. Loosen them and make room for more of him. Enlarge the place of our tent, Lord. Expand it to the left and to the right, up and down, so that we can receive more of you, God. Because the more we are with you, the more we are with you, the more we can release. The more of you that occupies our hearts, we naturally want to release it and give birth in this new season. And so, Father, I pray that we will be a people that value and treasure the all-consuming fire of your presence and that we will be ever burning, Lord, for you. Bill Johnson said this, we don't only want to be faithful to the end, but we want to keep burning to the end. We want to keep burning to the end. And our yes to God, our yes to a burning life in Him, should affect not just what's in front of us, but it should affect the next hundred years. It should affect our children and their children. Just like the promise and the oath from God to Israel was, I believe it is as strong as it was then, it is now. That as we bind ourselves to his presence, our children and their children will see it, live in it, rejoice, dance and sing their way to eternity. It's the promise of God as we enter this new land, the territory of the Lord, the, the territory of our hearts in you, God. It's the promised land. We sing we sing about it, that the promised land is not a place, it's a person. Our promised land is you, Jesus. So we purchase gold. We purchase you, God. We purchase Jesus and have faith in our Jesus. Perfected in the fire of God. Perfected in your fire, your presence, Jesus. Jesus.